0: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm excited to be here today with Kyle. And Kyle is the CEO and founder of Giving, which is a donation savings application platform. And I'm going to going to let Kyle get into more of the details on that. But Kyle, thank you for joining us. And to start off, I'd like you just to share a little bit about your background, you know, educationally, where you've gone, come through the years to, in order to, you know, Bring that journey to where you are now with this new startup, and I believe you've had startup in the past, correct?
1: I have multiple startups, yes, yeah, yeah, so some successes. Yeah, so, so you've had. Yeah, some happy success. to share so, that. So
0: share that journey with us, and then we'll, we'll go from there.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, let me start with the, the 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 learning journey, my my educational foundation. So, um, uh, undergrad and MBA from Pepperdine University uh, for it in business. Uh, for it, um, and then got my Doctor of Business Administration for the University of Manchester in the UK, um, technically in behavioral economics, so a lot about it, behavior and people making decisions around money uh, for it, and um, as a, a, a side gig that I've done for 12 years, I'm a professor of strategy and entrepreneurship at Pepperdine University. If I, it's nights and evenings, it's a great way for me to stay connected to students, stay fresh, and uh, you know keep myself uh, up to date with what's going on uh, for it. Um, I spent my first 12 uh, years in advertising. Originally as a creative, <laughs> if you want to really look, even though I was getting degrees in bat- business, I was a creative designing ads and radio and print and you know TV um, and moved very quickly up the ladder, um, recognized for my ability to a- ask good questions. And I think that's at the core of you know my career is the ability to ask the right questions because then you can figure out the solutions to be made. And um, after a-, a-, a Mercury rise uh, through a-, a pretty large firm, um, uh, in advertising, I went and did my first entrepreneurial venture, not because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, just because I thought I could do it better. Right? I was looking at what they're doing. I'm like, we're, we're there's something that needs to be. It needs to be more strategic. There needs to be more data. Uh, you know, date myself, but we're talking about the '90s. You know, different time, and there's a lot of changes happening in marketing. And built and sold that company in two and a half years from zero to ten million in revenue. Um, really didn't know what I did. Um, but I had a lot of fun doing it and had the idea, I want to build another business. That was a great idea. I'd prefer not to start at zero. And can I find another company? Because this is just when the internet's taking off. And I knew what we called multimedia back then, date myself, but you know, the internet, um, web pages, uh, video was going to be a, a different way of doing marketing. It was becoming more data driven uh, for it. And so I joined a small firm, uh, 1 million of revenue, five people. I mean, just well, with this vision of, can I come in? They needed help kind of turning themselves around. Um, but I also had a vision where I wanted to take it. The founder of the company was open to allow me to take the company and become obviously a part of that company to do it. And short order, uh, you know, of course, make that story short is in six years, we were over 200 million in revenue, um, six offices, including operations in, in uh, Europe and, and very successful run. Um, and then subsequently exited out of it um, and got pr- one of my great lessons of exiting is services businesses are not great to exit out of your multiples are not good. And we did a lot of high tech. We did work with Adobe and Apple, a lot of their software companies. And I saw what they were getting, even in the late nineties valuations said, I think I'm in the wrong spot. Plus I've been a programmer since I was nine years old. It's always been a hobby of mine. So I had this tech desire so it was kind of the, 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 the they were coming together of where I belonged. I wasn't advertising was not the world for me. I was looking for a change, and I ended up actually at a, a uh, investment bank, private equity VC group. It was a, a division of a large bank, larger bank in Switzerland, and got exposed to doing investment in startups. Do and By no means consider myself an expert in that, but learned a lot. But I was very hands-on with a lot of the startups helping them or as an operator. And realized my, my position where I, I make value, greatest value is as an operator, um, and that's where I want to go. So I left that company, took several companies we were working with, um, combined them together, and we took that from $3 million to about $20 million, um, as a CRM-type system for verticals and sold it. Um, and then went into the startup world exclusively, where I did a couple of my own, joined a couple, participated in a lot of different ways uh, for it, um, had a couple of successes, strike social, uh, which is doing about 60 million a year, has no venture capital in it, but uh, ad tech platform had some glorious blow ups, had a really successful company doing $10 million and uh, the financial crisis hit and uh, everything that could have been done wrong was done wrong in that company. Um, and I don't blame everybody, uh, including myself, but, you know, things happen on that. So it was a really interesting journey. Um, and then actually got called into fixing midsize software companies, um, mostly because I was looking for opportunities uh, to be more of an operator, not being right at the early stage again, because maybe a, a career shift and spent seven, eight years working with private equity firms, running small and midsize uh, SaaS companies, coming in as the CEO, operator, going through their change management, that process to optimize. I got the really difficult ones, the ones that had to rebuild technology, find new markets. Uh, so a lot of rescue, if you want to call it that, was an area that I got known for. Uh, and I got tired of it. Um, and that gets us really where we're today is I was looking for something different. And I had done another um, fintech company, helped to co found it and get it up which in philanthropy called Antidote, um, funded and doing very well and profitable. Hopefully we'll exit soon. Um, and so I'd seen that space and how big it was and realized that it is really poorly run, right? The amount of it. And it's not because of heart, the amount of heart that's in, philanthropy, in non-profits and charities and people wanting to do good, but there's a lot of volunteers there's support technology. It's just it fragmented a fragmented waste. And we were solving a problem for the charities, but I kept looking and going, yeah, but the real solution is how do we get the individuals? Because all the data says that people want to give more. And the reason they don't give more is because they don't know who to do. And you go, well, why don't they just go search? Well, we don't do that, right? You don't search for it. Whether a friend introduces you or it's your favorite charities, that's who we donate to. So unless something bubbles up in front of me, much like any other e-commerce type activity, I don't involve right there hasn't been something that's brought that together and really brought the major players, which is the individuals, the workplace, the the, um, the financial institutions, the nonprofits and even the brands going, we've got to come together right? But you're going to have to have a financial infrastructure. So I I'd had had the problem sitting there going, the amount of waste that's happening. if we can solve this, we've got something to it. And that's where giving came into play, because giving actually is a venture rescue. Uh, I don't want to you know, hide that about. They originally, the founder of that company, the original version of it, was out of philanthropy and wanted to figure out a way to help people launch nonprofits much more easier, kind of using fiscal sponsorship for anyone who wants to look into the details called platform charity. And no one's been able to do that at scale. Um, And they tried and they failed for many reasons. The the idea was good, but what they built was this really interesting nonprofit infrastructure. And then when I got exposed to it, it was looking at go, well, we have this company, we don't know what to do with it is, but we have this asset. What should we do? And then I was looking at people who were using it. I'm like, forget what you're doing with it. You got You know, about 800 people in the last year and a half have used it this way, and it solves the problem that people want to do, which is they want control around charitable giving. They want to be able to do crowdfunding, but they need it in the nonprofit world, not the GoFundMe. You know, they um, there's all these different control aspects and features that bring it down that we have because we have both the nonprofit infrastructure, we have the financial infrastructure, but we're gonna have to relaunch this company. New technology, new team, new everything. Um, and the founder, who I get along very well with, believed in my vision and basically handed me the assets. And I relaunched this company. Completely clean balance sheet, cap table, right? no legacy. So it was just the legacy of some history, some pilots, and an amazing nonprofit infrastructure we got. So I got to solve a problem leveraging, part of it had already been invented, um, but you know, I was able to take it and build a business model around it a go to market strategy and the other pieces and now starting to get that early traction. So that, that's where we are today. And I'm, uh, uh, I mean, it's something I completely believe in. I'm a huge believer in philanthropy, very active in philanthropy. Um, but also I'm a fintech guy. I mean, without a doubt, that's my strength. I understand the technology there, the business the sales models and pieces like that. So I was able to bring, you know, really my passions and my strengths together for
0: it. Uh, Yeah, and that's fantastic. And as we've had the discussion, you know, my background is in nonprofit and philanthropic sector as well. So, you know, I was excited to be able to, uh, I saw you pitch to to the Band of Angels a few months ago, and uh, really liked what you're doing. And you're kind of right, in regards to the nonprofit sector, you know, there's a lot of a brokenness there, but it's a it's a different sector and they need to start really approaching themselves more like a regular business sector. And collaboration is so important. It used to be back in the days where every nonprofit looked at each other's competition and they need to actually work together. In fact, you can't even get grants hardly anymore unless you're collaborating yeah. with other nonprofits and other organizations. As you probably are familiar with, and uh, and then also because they're always trying to cut costs because they're expected to run so lean, which is another actual misperception of how a nonprofit should be run. Uh, if they want to be successful, they need to run like a regular business. But you know, misperceptions and media and treatment and everything, they feel like they're held to having to run, you know, not have pay as much for their CEO, which means they might not get as good of a quality of person. So they're always cutting corners on cost, which is counterproductive to what, you know, the mission of is trying to raise money and help as many people as possible. But anyway, this is your time, not my time, but I, I'm trying to let the viewers know that this is an important critical area of the nonprofit sector that needs and should be addressed. So, uh, Let's and talk about Can I just support that yeah. real
1: point with a data yeah. point I think is very interesting yeah. a lot of people don't realize besides how large of it is from a financial the amount of money it moves around which I'll probably mention in the pitch but is that there's 1.6 million almost 1.7 million nonprofits registered in the United States mm-hmm. the majority of those are volunteer only run organizations every dollar they get they use for something that's good Aligned with their mission, but they don't know how to raise money. They don't, you know, you know, see so you've got the, the few, the, you know, few thousand out there are very good at raising money and the big names for it. But where a lot of the work is being done, not to discount some of the bigger, but is all these grassroots. And so there's, there's again disconnects of where the need is uh, for it, and the solution to all of this is with the individual, right? That, that's the thing is the, the individual has the money right? So you've got to start with them and, and solving, you know, figuring out how do we connect this? Because the charities, you can't just keep giving them more tools. They are having trouble with what they have already.
0: Well, and then, and then the fundraising strategies for nonprofits, and this is actually, you know, important for the investors to know. And uh, what you're referring to is that there's called the giving pyramid uh, with fundraising strategy and the giving period are the top high dollar donors are at the top, but that base is all of those individual annual donations to smaller givers which ends up being a lot more impactful and a lot more dollar volume wise than what the large you know larger donors at the top give so it's those exactly like what you said those individuals that need to be you know touched as far as the nonprofit goes and the money's the fundraising going there. Boy, we could talk forever about this kind of stuff, but let's give everyone watching uh, kind of a quick elevator pitch that goes through, you know, problem, solution, the market, and uh, then we're going to, you know, maybe one, two minutes, and then we're going to dive a little deeper into that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at first, you've got to understand, you know,
1: how big the charitable industry is, which I don't think we It's over $400 billion a year is donated. That makes it larger than, e-commerce industry in the United States last year, right? So we're talking at that scale, large amounts of money moving around. 70% of the U.S. population is active in philanthropy. The average individual gives $1,000 a year. Yes, there's some larger and smaller, but people are very active in this um, in a lot of different ways for it. But it's changing, and it's changing fundamentally. Charities are getting left behind, and those who really are being the most active – don't aren't finding the solutions, so they're just not giving, which means we're missing the opportunity. Who we're talking about are the Gen Z and millennials. They look at giving as part of you know being philanthropic as part of their DNA, right? It's their purpose and they're very social about it like they are with almost everything else uh, for it. And that's not the way fundraising charitable giving has been done in the past. It's been much more corporate to hire individuals, golf tournaments. Um, direct mail, right? You know, it, it's, it, there's a disconnect, but also individuals really prefer to give to um, specific causes, right? They, they don't want to give to a branded name. They want to give to a specific campaign, help that school, save that dog, right? There's, it's become very micro and very hyper-targeted uh, for it, which really requires a, a different type of look at it so we've got this giant four billion dollar industry, highly fragmented, loads of friction because of the donors and all the here and then all the individuals, uh, and trying to connect it, which means just waste, an opportunity, a natural place for a technology, platinum to, to come together, and that's where giving came into play, which is we connect people, employers, brands, and nonprofits on purpose, with a charitable savings account, a tax-deductible crowdfunding, and a gamified social platform. So we combine both a financial and a fintech infrastructure with the social enablement that happens around charitable giving and the gamification that is how and people want to give, particularly the younger generations. And of course, it has to be appified. That is the younger generation. If it's not an app, they're not going to do it. Um, and if they can't share it with their their social media and they can't do it on TikTok, Snap, you've disconnected. So we're integrated all of those for it. But we also realize that you've got to integrate deep into people's lives where their disposable income is, which is payroll and their, their financial institutions. So we've got a full uh, workplace giving program that we roll out, let employers roll out for free, to offer to their employees to give them a, a high level, high quality employer benefit program. But we uh, get the customers, right? So it lowers our cost of customer acquisition, gives us on-ramp to customers. There's a very large virality to our platform. Someone comes, they launch a crowdfunding campaign, raise money. Again, ours are tax deductible. They're with under the non umbrella. That separates us from a GoFundMe or anything else, which is, I want to raise some money. It's taxable. It's not safe. It, you know, have to trust I'm giving the money to it for it. Um, you can't get grants from, from foundations or corporate money or dafts, right? It's it's a really interesting tool to show that particularly younger generations will put their weight behind making a difference, but it's outside of the nonprofit world. And if you really want to see the movement of the money, you've got to be underneath it. And we bring that unique structure of technology and together for it. The way we make money, and I'll you know, quickly, is there's no out-of-pocket money, right? No minimums, no credit cards. It's all about transactional. How do they use the platform? If they're raising crowdfunding, accepting money in, we take a deduction out of that 5%, but we have a tipping model that allows people donating to accept that for it. And then if you maintain a balance, we have a small annual fee we do to, main, you know, to basically maintain the cost for it. These are proven financial models or monetization models already in the industry. That was one of the nice things. We didn't have to reinvent. We're using what's already working, but we've repackaged it in a different way uh, for it. And then bringing it to market, which was the key is how do we get this to scale quickly early on and get that early traction because of the virality that, you know, that word of mouth and virality we can get. And that's where I already mentioned before that we're looking at workplace giving and we've integrated with ADP and we're starting to do paychecks and we're starting to build that sales pipeline and, and are putting different employers on um, and getting them for it and activating their employees. And the other side is offering it as a white label solution to small, medium-sized bank and credit unions because they're, there's nothing in the space for that, It was just open. These are both markets I had sold to, so I already knew how to access them and knew that where the pains were to solve it and the value proposition for us to enter with them. And then of course they have to expose their customers or their employees to it uh, is a double value proposition aligns. And that's the key with any B2BDC channel play that we're doing for it. And that's where we're executing right now and getting our first early pilots and traction up with it. Okay,
0: so uh, so let's talk about that. Where is the company at right now in terms of uh, pilot uh, revenue? Are you pre-revenue? Are you in revenue? Uh, we we about- are just
1: in revenue, right? Yeah. So um, the, the, the product is live in the market, active employers on it. Um, we should have our first bank, actually be a credit union on it. Hopefully in the next 60 days, we had to have SOC to audit. So we had to grow up pretty quickly uh, to go through some of the, the more secure pieces, but we needed that for the fortune 500 companies as well. So, Um, who we're talking to, but we haven't, you know, been able to get to close yet. So um, the product's up, it's working. We're processing donations. We're processing two distributions out. All the functionality AEP has done is working on it. Now we're putting pilots to make sure it's working as expected. Um, And it's not really the software, it's how people want to use it. We're finding interesting uses that we didn't expect it. And they're not fringe uses. These are really mainstream that we said, well, if we add that, this really helps them solve a problem that they're dealing with in the workplace giving space. One of the biggest problems is very low adoption of the usage of uh, matching programs. Uh, They're cumbersome, they're often paper-driven, but they're also very passive and there's no active component. But in our case, because the company or an employee can spin up a campaign and go, hey, we're gonna do a Giving Tuesday competition and we're gonna pick three charities and everyone's gonna to get to vote on it and everyone's gonna do a quick chip in, right? You suddenly create a very dynamic live experience. Plus I can now share the things I care about with my workmates, creating that connection. So we've found some really interesting connect pieces for it. Um, our first uh, month of real revenue, and I call it that because being transactional at our early stage, it's it's going up and down, I'll be honest, right? So uh, when we really started putting things on in July, August was our first real month. We got some good campaigns running on it. Um, we did about $450,000 in donations processed in on it. So we made about $12,000 on that. The last few months have been very quiet. Um, they tend to be quiet in philanthropy. Uh, September and October are not known. one was great. November and December are big, but we rely on campaigns to be done. So for us, it's nudging the different corporates we're working with our employers. We're actually creating some of our own and figuring out how do we, kind of seed that and get people going because I think one of the things we learned is some of the early adopters of the platform employees why would you, you know, what do you need to use it more what do you want and they both wanted to see more charities so we have a very robust database of every charity in the United States and we're making it really robust but we're using machine learning to identify and match people right? so every day they log in they'll see a new charity of the day and they can swipe right or left on it depending if they think that's interesting to follow it and then we, we can suck in other data on it. So we're learning to gamify it in that sense. Uh, for, but we're also, several said, well, I, I especially big events, uh, a flood, a fire, something like that. They're like, I want to participate. I'd love to actually participate be able to help, but I'd like to have a master campaign, right? I'd like to join something with it. And so we're doing those now is when we see when we launch a campaign under giving's umbrella as you kind of ours. And then we share it out with all of our our customers and go, Hey, um, there's a recent fire in this case, you know um, if you want to donate directly to it, or if you want to run a sub campaign, it supports into this and have some influence um, which is really within uh, the individuals, particularly the millennials and Gen Zs. They don't just want to give money. They want to be part of it. And I think you would know this, Jerry, is one in five um, millennials said they want to start a nonprofit. And it's not in the future. Like, that's something that they set as a goal for them in the near future. But if you ask them why they want to start it, it's not actually to run a nonprofit, they want to make a difference and have more control and impact, right? Some do, yeah, I want to do cat rescue or i very specific. But even then you ask me, like, are you going to be running a cat rescue group? Like, oh, no, I want to raise money and give it to these three groups. Most of what they want to do is raising the money and having control of which charities it goes to. And that's where we come into is giving that type of control.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of the, you know, the millennial giving is driven. Millennials love to connect. And connect isn't just giving money. It's kind of like you alluded to, you know, connecting is actually, how can I make an impact? How can I touch and feel the cause? How can I be personally involved outside of just giving? They want to know they're connected. And that's why a lot of the large foundations that were started by grandparents and great-grandparents now, who would just write out a check to a cause, they're Descendants, their grandkids now who are running those foundations are going, Oh, I'm not just going to write out a check. I want to go visit your nonprofit. I want to get boots to the ground, get involved, and see if that's something I want to write out a check for. So that connect, that connection part and impact part is so important for the, you know, these donors, you know, the millennials and Generation Zs, like you talked about. And, you know, that makes sense. So, you know, what you're doing is really working well and geared towards that, which people should understand that's a significant portion of, you know, it's our future, you know, they're our future generation, and you're building something for them to move forward with this nonprofit fundraising. So I commend you for that. Uh, let's, let's delve a little bit into, you know, you talked about that traction. Uh, give us an example, like how many, how many uh, users you currently have and kind of where you're at with things that are
1: we're in the hundreds right now, we're not real big. Um, and for it was so, we're that stage of a company we, we launched. Um, we had some very early pilots from kind of from the old generation. We moved them over, saw how they used it. So, okay, we need to add different things. Built the workplace giving program, onboarded those pilots and said, okay, what's working, what's not. Figured out their needs for it, and now we're going through another cycle of feature add uh, for it. Um, and in, in acceleration, particularly in December, which we think will be a good acceleration month uh, on board uh, for our signing up employers now to go live in December. We're also having another interesting dynamic and uh, in, the bank and credit union are queued up as soon as we ever sock to audit complete. We, we should have our first pilot there. Um, believe the first one will be uh, the John Deere employee federal credit. union. It was gives yeah, nice win for a yeah. first one. I can't complain. Um, and I, I really like the organization. But also what's happened is influencers, particularly the millennial and Gen Z, are coming to our platform because they tend to charitable giving is a big part of what they need to do or want to do uh, for it. And they need something that gives them the flexibility to do multiple campaigns and things like that. But it has to stay safe. They got to stay underneath the nonprofit umbrella. They don't, you know, GoFundMe isn't an option for it because it, if, if it, it doesn't have any of those controls. And a good example of that, and I have two, um, is one, Billie Eilish's team. So one of the most popular pop stars in the Gen Zs right now, uh, if not the most, um, you know, for 94 million Instagram followers, signed up last month with us.
0: Hmm.
1: We didn't pay her money. We're not giving her stock. We didn't seek her out. They came to us and we said, why? we were well known in some of the famous groups because of kind of the history of the company. It, it, was, it did a lot of work with um, uh, notable, uh, notable people. A lot of work. I did some pilots with them, but what happened is they said, "Well, we need something that does this." Which is, we're going to do multiple campaigns with corporate sponsors and large foundations, but we're going to do it on the boots on the ground. Um, Every city we're going to go, we're going to have three or four different campaigns, and money from each ticket sale is going to go to them. And then I'm going to let the fans contribute. Right? It was a natural idea of it is very organic, multiple people participating in the the realm of good in the pool, but then we're going to control which charities they go to. Right, the, the Billie Eilish and her team, which we're really, like, we do that. Right. And we don't need to build anything for you. I mean, we, we want to build some stuff for you because we think we can take this to the next level, but we can do it. And then right after that, um, hopefully we'll have this not signed in the next couple of weeks is American Red Cross. Yeah, you know, what you think? I, like, we just want to get money out to charities. That's our, at our mission, right? We encourage American Red Cross and the NFL came to us and said, we need another thing our players that are really uh, charitably minded and do tend to be very active don't want to raise money for American Red Cross not against American Red Cross they want to raise money for that local you know uh, hospital they focus on or right again hyper local whether it's geographic or cause local they want more say of which campaigns they're working with and for it. But American Red Cross brings the corporate donations. So you've got to kind of bring all the pools together. So they started mapping this out. We said, yeah, we do that too, right? It's, it's it's Billie Eilish's different names, but where you have, you know, a master accounts and sub accounts and sub campaigns and campaigns competing each other. And certain groups have different cult controls of the money, but it's all safe because in our platform and our nonprofit infrastructure, all the money is underneath the fiduciary of the trustee of the, our nonprofit charitable partner, our, our, you know, we, we have our own charity. So that makes sure it's always safe, compliant, and that no money goes out to something that isn't a charity uh, for it, which gives, and and no one has to worry about receipts. No one has to worry about tax filings. We handle it all. The only thing you get at the end of the year is the one tax receipt for whoever was giving um, uh, for it. So it gives them a a really safe environment to be able to do this with all the controls of corporate and, you know, other parties
0: wanting to play. Sure. Let's, so let's talk a little bit about competition. Now I know that, you know, there's various platforms for giving out there. Uh, Givelify is one that comes to mind because I worked for a church and that was the platform that actually I had the church institute, you know, implement, not institute, but implement into their yeah. uh, mobile app giving platform. But, you know, that doesn't have the robust uh, options that you have, but talk about what's out there for competition and how you differ.
1: Yeah, and, and- and I want to get, because I think you got an interesting point, because I built Antidote, which is a company for charities and political campaigns. We don't compete with them at all, right? We're not looking for it. Charities will run their own nonprofit camp, or charitable campaigns. That's their own activities. But our intent is we're going to integrate them into our system. You're already doing campaigns. Great. We'll put it on our platform because we're focusing more on the front end of the funnel of the value chain, which is the individual and where they're holding their money and, and figuring out where they want to go to it. And any money just as a a, a functional viewpoint. So if I have $100 in my giving wallet, I say, I want to give it to a charity. That charity gets all $100. Charities don't pay for anything. Um, So we're friends of charities, right? And and no tent. We want to bring them on our platform. We'll give us content. We'll expose you to our customer base uh, for it. But our real competitors are really who's trying to help the individual in their charitable giving. And I'd say there's three different areas. One is donor advised funds. These are health savings accounts for giving, right? Um, And we are technically partially a DAF, not 100%, but we follow those rules partially ourselves um, for it. And um, you got Schwab and Fidelity and the big players there, and they went into it just because they had investors who are like, I want a, a tax benefit. And that's the only reason you use really a DAF is for the tax benefit. They're static. They can't do crowdfunding. You can't do international donations. Um, there's no social about it. In fact, it'd be very hard to do the social because the DAF laws uh, for it, but it's for tax reasons of good. But if you look at Gen Z as millennials, the tax benefit of giving, even the wealthy is like number five and six on the list of reasons they give. And it's, you know maybe it will move up a couple notches. It's not going to be one or two not anytime, you know in, in our foreseeable future. So DAFs, and there have been a, a four new DAFs that have entered the market, raised loads of money. Um, I call them lipstick DAFs because they're putting nice, pretty technology in what has been really bad technology. I, I'm familiar with Schwab's and it's not a good experience for it, but there, there's no new real functionality other than it's just an easier used tool for it. And they're trying some different models uh, for it. Um, so. And it's a very static, you know, passive experience for it. On the other side, you've got crowdfunding platforms like GoFundMe. Hey, I want to raise money for something I care about. Easy to spin up, but it's not safe. It's not tax deductible. And why the tax deductibility matters, not for the next little tax deduction. It's for the safety. People know when I'm going to a charity, that's where I can do uh, for it. Um, Plus, if I raise money on GoFundMe for something, it's actually taxable to me which could be a really sudden surprise. Someone gets a 1099K and GoFundMe. It says, you know, we distributed $2,000 to you. By the way, it's on your taxes. You're going to have to report it. Um, so that's very social, but not safe, right? It's not in the nonprofit world. The one other area I'd say is there are platforms for helping to identify charities, um, different giving platforms. And some of them are really nice. I mean, we've, you know, beautiful, but there's no financial infrastructure. So all they are are search places, like, if you don't bring the money, right, and connections to the financial infrastructure and the ability to hold the mo- your money in a charitable account to the the charities, it's, you, now you're just asking people to come search and use our platform, identify it. So it doesn't connect the dots for it.
0: Are you referring to, like, the charity navigators, uh, GuideStar, that kind of?
1: Yeah, which we pull their data, by the way. Yeah. So we pay for it. We put it in. That. Okay. Yeah, gively. There's a, there's a, there's several different ones out there that are you know, and there's giving circles and these ideas that are trying to get people together, yeah. but there's none of the financial infrastructure yeah. and the nonprofit. So I love it. We're we're looking at we're going, hey, we want to partner with you. I'd, I'd Absolutely great to buy you. Actually, in future, because I love that piece of it. But without our financial infrastructure, you're you you know, you're not going to get there. So we see ourselves as the only one you know player that is both in the social active type, you know, aspect of charitable giving, but also in the safe, right? Not 501c3 environment, right? They're the ones that put those together for it. Um, does it make it hard explaining this business? Yes. <laughs> that is sometimes that challenge I have with investors. And as I sell it, we've gotten much better at learning how to sell it, um, you know, in the market, but um, from a usability changes the game because individuals want choice and they want control. And they want it, you know, for, and that's what we give ultimately to the individual uh, for a, in, in a safe environment. Yeah.
0: I think it's important that you noted uh, back in that conversation as far as uh, the millennials, uh, the actual tax donation portion of it is like five or six down on the list of importance. That's where you get into more of the true philanthropic heart, because it's not about the tax deduction, which to me, gets a little bit away from philanthropy because you're doing it for tax write-up as opposed to actually having the heart to give to a cause and help others. But yes. From a sales viewpoint, from a social media viewpoint,
1: the more emotional, and now I'm, I'm calling my research as a behavioral economist, right? It's all about emotion. Sure. If we can play in a space that's finance and emotions, you know, that's a win from a business viewpoint, right? I mean, we're here, obviously, we have a, we're a social mission to increase good, but we are a business. We want to make money and be a successful business and, make, and change the world at the same time. From a marketing and activation viewpoint, if I can bring, you know, the emotional aspect uh, into finance, this, this is a really great place to be. And That's what it gets me excited, right? It's figuring out how do we f- perfect that and make that scale,
0: Sure. So sure. What you're doing right now, currently for a raise, I believe you're going into a seed round. You're doing a seed round for 5 million. I believe you did a previous round of 1 million or where, where yeah. are you at with the raise and what's the uh, what's the usage of funds and milestones runway, that type of, you know, sure, yeah. it's, it's really up to 5 million because
1: I didn't know what to be honest, exactly what to ask. It wasn't, I, I mean, I know what I need, but, um, because of some of the DAFs that just recently got funded, they got seeds at $5 million. So there was this discussion, do we put that there? I actually now say three, because I think that shows that we really are a seed. Um, I don't need to go hire a giant team. Right? I don't need to suddenly spend $100,000. We need runway, right? And so th- for it to really make sure the model on the sales cycle works as we're seeing it now, right? Does this ramp up for it? And then we can continue to add on it. So we're looking to raise up to $3 million. We want and whether it's three or five, it's 18 months or longer of runway, right? That's the minimum. We can control our costs very well on that. 70 to 80% is growth and sales or business development, right? Part people, part other expenses related to that. And that's everything from our channels to the individuals getting them using for it, that that whole process for it. The other 20, 25% is ongoing product development, platform development. Adding additional features, you know, that we we see the customers are asking for for it. Now it does scale. We've tested it one hundred thousand you know hits within an hour. We we've, we've got that, and I got a really strong Rockstar CTO in here who um, I've worked with for six years, who knows how to build and build a proper scalable platform. Uh, so we're not missing anything at this point. It's it's adding augmenting what what makes sense as, as any you know fintech goes on it. Uh, the milestone I'm ultimately trying to do is I want to get fifty thousand active accounts on here. And I define that as with a balance, running a campaign, making a donation within 90 days, right? This is someone who's using the platform. Because while our atomic unit is the number of active accounts, I think the other key metric we need to be looking at is the velocity of money movement, not the size of donations. Because a lot of our donors will be doing one, five and $10 donations, but that's not where the value comes from. Much like Venmo, right? Or, or, or Robinhood, right? Those are two of the things we compare ourselves to from it is. It's the velocity. How often are they doing donations? How often are they doing crowdfunding for it? Even if it's on the platform, just moving money around, that shows they're finding value and they're finding charities and they're they're connecting on it to it. So you look at those are the two key metrics that really drive it. And I want to get to 50,000. I think we can hit that way out of the ballpark, right? That's the reality. We're fighting through it. We're activating smaller employers. We're figuring that out. So that's the worst case. The best case is I hit that with one employer signing up. We already have deep conversations with UPS, um, Ikea, Samsung has already said yes, Samsung US. So we're already getting to the bigger companies we thought we wouldn't get to because of some strategic partners I signed who already had access and want our product. Uh, salary finance being a, 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 the key one on it. So um, I, I do think and I'm very confident the hit numbers. And then even if we sign up a big employer, the real magic there is, How do we activate them? What's the adoption rate? We're not going to get 90%. I mean, that'd be be nice. But where is it? Is it 10%? Is it 25%? Um, Because either one of those makes it a very scalable business, but we need to understand it. But also, because we're getting some of these more notable uh, influencers, we're going to start using them for more of a B2C as well. Because anytime someone comes and donates to a campaign, they immediately are given a giving wallet, right? Because there's no cost, no minimum. So we got you. Now I just got to activate you, right? What do I need to do to get you to do something? And much like Robinhood and Coinbase have done, they drop five bucks into you know, every new account because an account was zero is a really bad thing. If the first activity you want someone to do is take their own money and put it in there, it's not a good thing. So we're going on that path now, which is why don't we... Seed it. If they don't use it, we can always claw it back, right? You got ninety days. You have to match it. By the way, but you can take this five dollars. You put five dollars, and you can give it to any charity you want. Now we've got them in. They've added their own money, or they've connected their payroll, and we start to connect those dots for it. But that's a lot of what we have to figure out. We are a true seed. We're more mature than many seeds because we've done some revenue. We got a full product in the market, but we still got to figure out how does it all work because we're so new in in, some of those processes.
0: That's great. Uh, Talk about, uh, you know, what you envision three, five years down the road when we get to that term that we call exit. What's your strategy, sir?
1: Yeah. Um, And I forgot to answer. Yeah, we've raised, um, we did a million dollar angel round. We raised 900 of that. We have actually overcommitted, but we didn't sure we wanted to accept it because we really knew we were seed stage, right? That was meant as part of my relaunching the company and, and, and going at it. Uh, so we have a little bit of room in that. Plus, whatever we do in the seed round um, for it, like to find a lead. And then uh, we have some fo- uh, people already want to follow. But going on, what's the exit, right? Where does this look interesting? Um, I, I don't want to jump on the bag wagon and go, hey, you know, we're going to be the fintech, or we're going to be Robinhood, and we're going to get an IPO. I, I would love to be that because lo- I believe we could be that big. The market's that big. There's no reason. There's no structural limits to say we can't be that big as Robinhood, but I'm not going to, right? You know, I think the reality is what does this company look like? We, in, in you know, five years, can we get to 100 million in revenue? Yeah, right? Really, is so we only need a half percent of the market to get that. So that's realistic. Um, and if it's less, it's still a very attractive business. Who are we attractive to at that point? And there's two that we've already talked to because they're watching us. So we know that they're interested. One are the financial institutions and those who deal with employee benefits, because we've got the, the best thing out there, the better flexibility, but we're also going to be sitting on a large amount of money. And so Goldman Sachs being then one of the number ones is going, hmm. What are you gonna do with that money? You actually have the right to do something with it because technically the, the, your charity controls it. We're like, yes, we'll give our, our users the ability to invest it, but we still have to tell them where they can invest it, which is what funds or which, you know, things like that. So we will need a partner, but they're looking at it and going, most DAFs are sitting on billions of dollars in cash. That's a natural acquisition for us because you could bring in this whole other piece of it. So that's interesting, but what, that doesn't excite me the most what I think is a better fit is Salesforce and the Salesforce uh, charity cloud. So, and there's other companies doing this, but they're farther along the Salesforce charity cloud. If you go to salesforce.org is an initiative to connect all the players together, uh, particularly around workplace, but also, you know, charities and everything else with a set of tools to amplify charitable giving, to amplify good, but they don't have anything like us. Um, No one, you know, and, and, I think we bring, even if they already have something, we bring a very unique infrastructure. It's very hard to duplicate because of our 50 state compliance structure we have that we're a natural fit to plug into Salesforce Charity Cloud and amplify. Um, So I think that would be the ideal if I said, who's the perfect, you know, acquirer of us who would keep the vision and mission and take it to a whole nother level that I haven't even thought of. Salesforce would be a good one for it.
0: Okay, great. One thing we haven't discussed is uh, if you can just real quickly kind of go over the key players on your team. Yeah, yeah, a good,
1: strong team. Uh, I, I consider um, uh, building a team my strength as a, as, a, as a manager, executive, whatever you want to call it, my background. Um, I, I've never succeeded unless I had great people and empowered them to do their job uh, for it. So, um, I got John Hall, who's a former co-founder of TradeZ, um, multiple-time CTO, a lot of e-commerce experience, so brings that type of scale, usability experience on it. We've known each other for six years uh, for it. We have two uh, developers underneath him, uh, a junior and a mid-level one um, uh, for it that are full stack, uh, React and backend that are doing m- most of the coding. We're all in-house at this point. And then I have a product manager who's a a bit of a jack-of-all-trades as well, who's done sales, who's done channels, who's done onboarding. He and I have worked together for 18 years. I brought him to the fintech world. Um, And his last five years or so, he was actually working with bank credit union systems. So he brings a lot of big fintech infrastructure, API-type driven systems, but knows a lot about UX. So he's leading the ownership of the piece on that. Uh, And then on the business development side... um, I've got Chris Daly, who I uh, recruited this last spring, um, out of Silicon Valley, built multiple uh, sales cycle uh, teams, really in the B2B space. So he knows how to build that type of process for it, but knows how to roll up his sleeves and help us figure out the messaging um, for it. Head of marketing, um, who is a a mid-level marketing person, gets stuff done. Um, I have a marketing background, that's my strength. So at this point I can hold the CMO type duties. Um, at this stage, and she's been building out all the infrastructure, our HubSpot, our Salesforce, our, our campaigns, our content, and really starting to give us our presence for it. And then we've got some consultants, of course, supporting her on it. And the last one is is a kind of a unique one because he's not technically an employee, but he's quarter our team, is we have our own charity. Now, it's our own charity because we spun it up. Uh, and then we contractually married him to us, but it has to have its own executive director or CEO and it has to have its own board. Um, and we've, we are passed all audits. We're everything on that. So we put our own executive director in there called uh, a guy named um, Robbie Tombowski, And he and I really behave as co-CEOs because he has to run that. Now their function is just, fiduciary to the money and compliance, but he's an expert in corporate philanthropy and charitable giving and these pieces for it. So he rounds out where I don't have that knowledge in that side of it, where I'm really on the finance technology uh, pieces for it. And he and I, our primary business is selling, right? That's what we're doing, is driving the, and building the revenue. Um, and that's what we're focused on. So we have a good core team, no real gaps to say, I have to hire this or we're dead. There are hires I want to make when we get to our next round, but they're all for acceleration. Um, uh, one developer and probably you know one or two uh, additional marketing people just to scale that up. But again, not a lot of hiring need. We need the time to continue to onboard and really see the success. We're starting to get the early seeds on.
0: Okay, fantastic. So, kind of wrap things up here. Who, how would you identify or best portray your ideal investor? I mean, investors always look for specific types of startups. What's that specific type of investor that you would find ideal for, for your raise? I, I think there's two characteristics. One is someone that
1: themselves are believe in active in philanthropy, right? They believe in the making a difference and, and using their own weight behind it. And I don't care how much, but that is something, or volunteering, right? That's uh, for it. I, I find the investors that we talk to that not just give her a check at the end of the year, right? They truly believe, you know, do it, really get where the problems in the market understand uh, for it. And I can have those types of strategic decisions, discussions going, okay, here's what we're facing. How do you think we'd approach it? And the other side is those who um, have and are willing to open up their world decks and make introductions, right? Uh, And not for, I mean, investors are fine, but I'm more interested in small, medium-sized companies are great customers for us. I don't care if they're five employees or they're 500. We have both on the platform, right? We're onboarding now. It doesn't change the game for us. But, and having someone on the ground selling that is very hard. But if we can get our investor base opening up theirs and contacting their 50 companies they know, most people, and I've done this with my own network, people go, man, this is great. Yeah, of course, Kyle, I'll sign up. There's no cost to me. There's no, there's no risk. We, we don't expose them to any risk. I'm like, just, just do it and give me a little bit of your effort for it. And what's happened is when I get them through that, which means I have a effectively zero cost of customer acquisition, they're going, wow, this is great. Great example of this was actually a company I sit on the board with. I'm like, you need to use this. And of course he did. <laughs> but he, he, they were active in doing charitable giving. The corporation would donate to four or five causes every year. Things he thought were important, but then he gave money to every, all of the employees to do a little bit themselves. He had no clue what they did. It was, you know, it was very manual. There was really a, a missed opportunity to create connection and meaning with employees. And what interesting I said, well, let's get us on the platform. Take the money and, and instead of giving the normal corporate you do, I said, hold back on that, but seed everyone's account with some money, right? Pop in whatever you're going to do. I don't know if it's 50 or 100, whatever you're going to pop out some money into it and let them go donate it and let them, you know, do their, their payroll. Let's, let's measure, right? let's get the data. And we'll give you back an impact report data. Now we won't give you confidential information. You don't know what in, don't you know employee donated to what cause. But what you do know is here are the top categories. Here are the top charities. Um, and you do know any of the crowdfunding because that's a public event, anyways. And we put that in a nice package. He came back. He said, "Well, about half the employees are donating to these really local charities. I didn't know anything about." Mm-hmm. So I said, "Okay, take your money. You're going to donate to the big names." Right? He's more of that age group and. Uh, For I said, donate to the local charities and just tell the employees I donated to these. Don't even tell me why you did it and see what happens. And he did that process. And he said, this was amazing because employees came back and said, oh, my God, we donate to that charity. That's so great. I'm so The connection, the meaning to the employer. You now just went from employer, employee and a pay job to meaningful connection that my employer cares about something I care about. Right. No, you're not going to go to zero, but you know, uh, you know um, turnover, but that changes the game because now when they're looking about it, they're like, okay, that company pays a little bit more. This has this, but this company actually cares about things I care about. Um, and with the great resignation that's happening right now, HR, most HR people we talk to, we sell a lot to, are running around with their heads cut off because they don't know what to do. And what they've tried to work like, we're paying more. I'm like the younger generation doesn't want to make more money. They want more flexibility. They want more meaning. And then when we talked to them about if they have a payroll, only um, 30% of employers actually have any type of giving program, and most of it's United Way. But if, if they have it, they're like, it doesn't work. I'm like, well, what do you do to engage your employees? And they kind of just have that blank look. And we're like, right, you can't just give something and think people are going to get excited about it. Because to them, it looks like a 401k for charitable giving, which uh, we sold last year and tested does not work. Right? People don't get, no one gets excited about it.
0: It's, features don't sell. So, you know, When giving, it's all social. Well, and that's fantastic. You know, again, we could talk for hours about this because, you know, the whole corporate responsibility programs that a corporation should have, you know, I always advise that when you're looking at giving to charity or focusing on a charity, survey your employees first find out what they're where they're past you have your personal passions and you know what you're looking for but get in tune with your employees what their passions are what they're looking at supporting and try to combine or mix or give that some attention because those employees are going to appreciate you much more, are going to be much more happy. So, you know, there are so many similarities with, you know, what we've experienced and what we see within this sector that it's it's been fun listening to what you're sharing and also, you know, knowing the value and being able to say, yes, Kyle is on track with what he's saying because, you know, that's the case. So uh, how can people reach, how, how can the investors watching this reach you? What's the best way to contact you? And we'll have it also posted on the video as far as- Email's
1: the best way, just because you know I'm going to get it Um, uh, for it. So kyle at uh, giving or gvng.com is the best way. Now, anyone can go and sign up. You just want to see what it looks like and try it out. Just go to giving.org. It's free to sign up. Uh, We have a a huge new interface coming out in the next two weeks. So I'm really excited for that. This is the learnings we had of what we needed to take it to the next level. And I now think we have something that uh, from, I thought was nice and kind of sexy too, and something I'm very proud of. And I think really is, is going to make a difference in the market. Um, that but the email is probably the best way to reach me just so we can start that connection. And then happy to jump on a call or zoom
0: with anybody and share our deck. Super. And again, thank you for your time. I will go on and actually sign up when we're done here. And uh, I wish you the best and look forward to following and seeing how you're progressing as the future moves forward here. Awesome. Jerry, it was a pleasure speaking to you. And thank you very much thank for your you time. time. Thanks.
1: Thanks. Bye.